1: Welcome,
0: Welcome to, to another, another episode, episode of Pit Lane, Lane Parlay. Parlay. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt joins me. It's Formula One day here. So first off, let's again give our well wishes to Fernando Alonso, who was discharged from the hospital earlier this week after his cycling accident. He had jaw surgery. They expect him to be able to participate in preseason testing later this month so happy to see that last week we hypothesized that maybe we'll get another secure grand prix womp 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 portamao is confirmed it's like kind of like a like sad but happy because you know portamao is is a great place so that was confirmed and like well, i guess i don't think there's too much thoughts there so Let's dive into a car launch before we get to some kind of interesting things here. McLaren, they had their car launch yesterday. Uh, Obviously, as you can tell, the changes in the aerodynamics that were regulated by F1 were pretty apparent with the much smaller floorboard of the car. But Matt, what did you think about the car release and the livery?
1: Yeah, I mean... It kind of goes back to something we touched upon last week with the transition from 07 to 08 before a giant regulations change in 09. And then looking at uh, the names of the chassis out there, it looks like a lot of the teams are basically just going to be modifying their 2020 chassis to meet the regulations for 2021, but there aren't going to be like wholesale changes to it. And that's really apparent with the McLaren one. Yeah, the floorboard's obviously different. The new regulations kind of behind the front tires with a lot of the bits there changed. Uh, their front wing has changed. So it looks a little, a little bit like Mercedes uh, with kind of like a circular front of the front wing. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's pretty much the same car. And it is pretty much the same livery. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see which teams kind of go out on a ledge and, and really try something new versus which teams are basically going to do the McLaren method. And honestly, kind of the common sense method of just kind of tweaking what you had versus pouring all this money into a new car right before you're going to have to throw it away.
0: Yeah, especially with all the changes in testing regulations that we mentioned last week i know mercedes said that they had already done a a bulk of the 2021 testing last year bef- so they were so they'll they're pretty much well prepared for this year so not too shocked to see the the car pretty much the same but not particularly a fan of the orange and blue combination that's just my personal opinion it's it's it was all right like once but I don't know. I'd rather see all orange with like a blue sponsor logo if, if needed. But again, we're just, you know, we're at that point. We're just, we're just nitpicking. I'm going to throw in a, I'll, I'll save the super secret question for later. I'll let you go.
1: Well, is there any, so I think most teams have now announced when they're launching their car. Is there any in particular that you're really looking forward to? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I'm whichever curious.
1: Team says has rich energy. Don't don't say it.
0: I was you read <laughs> you read my mind. Yeah, whichever team is now minority owner of their team because rich energy is the apparent majority owner. I am curious if I'm going to give a serious answer. Then, what the now named Aston Martin is going to look like if they are extremely similar again to Mercedes or maybe they've put more of their own thought into it and less copycat looking ish. So uh, I guess I'll say that one. Obviously I'm very curious to see if we're going to see the green Aston Martin that we are, were typically seeing in any fashion in involved in the car there. So yeah, I'll go with that one.
1: Yeah. Based on their social media posts, I'd say hopefully plenty of green. Uh, I was going to say the same. I think Aston Martin has a certain appeal to it. They have, some of the best looking road cars in the world. And that brand has a pride, a proud history of just kind of being cool and looking cool. And then, you know, look good, feel good, play good kind of feel to it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they bring out with their car. I know their branding on Red Bull's rear wing for the last several years has looked really cool with the wings and they're kind of, like, you know, putting their logo basically into it so i hope we see that pretty predominantly on the car because i think if you do it the right way it could be a really really good looking car uh should we just since we mentioned rich energy just jump right into that one Uh, so yes uh if you heard michael lead to it a rich energy has uh or sorry let me start over Uh, what's the name william story yes william story has come out with a two-part Uh, video on Twitter, Uh, this was an announcement he was teasing for a while about a major announcement. And he basically came on Twitter and said that the announcement was delayed because of some sort of media request. And then his announcement was basically just like a four-minute rant about why they couldn't buy Force India in 2017, even though he had more money, and why he had to sack Haas because Haas sucked which uh, facts would dispute that claim that he made. Uh, Why Sergio Perez sucks. Uh, That one kind of lost me a little bit. Uh, Lawrence Stroll. Lawrence Stroll's a bastard. What else was there? Sky Sports is behind a paywall. (laughs) We didn't mention that one on the IndyCar podcast, that he ranted about Sky Sports.
0: (laughs) Um, He also said that millions of people worldwide enjoy rich energy. I think yes,
1: the best energy drink in the world.
0: In fact, incorrect because it is next to impossible to buy unless you go on their website, which is now essentially the only place to buy it. And if you want to ship it here to the US, it's like fifty dollars in shipping for a six pack. So
1: nice, um, yeah. So, anyways, if you want to go look that look that up, you should. Bottom line, though, as far as what we're going to talk about here is, they're primarily focusing on their. Collapse with Haas midway through the season because of Haas accusing them of not making payments and Rich Energy accusing them of sucking. Now, apparently, you know, they are going to be a majority stakeholder in a team. This is William's story saying that. So you do have to take that the grain of salt. It could be absolutely nothing. Uh, they say they're basically going to be a primary sponsor in a team for next season when they're something, something, legality, something. Uh, that you know, since he's talking, it really doesn't make any sense to me. But do you think the FIA should allow Rich Energy to sponsor another team based on how poorly the last one went?
0: With the current facts that are known, yes, I don't think there's any. I feel like somebody, and and I know some people have kind of dug deep into Rich Energy's corporate structure and whatnot and found a lot of shady business practices. If I could confirm that or or dig deeper into understanding if there's you know are they really an energy drink company or are they just some sort of shell for some illegalness going on out there, but otherwise, I think I just made up a word too by the way. I don't think illegalness is actually a actually a word details, yeah, nobody no nobody cares, but if you know we're just looking at it at face value now, yeah. He's he's annoying, slightly entertaining because he's fun to make fun of every week. But I don't see any reason that FIA FIA needs to step in at the current moment. But further research could definitely change my mind on that one. And if anybody has any details, please share. We're happy to look into it further.
1: Yeah, I'm going to kind of take a weird one on this one and say, no, the FIA shouldn't do anything. I think it's really up to the teams to do their due diligence. And as long as, you know, a team doesn't sign a sponsor and then it comes out that that sponsor is tied to this, that, or the next thing. And then there's social media outrage. Um, You know, Rich Energy's big flaw is they look like a bunch of clowns and they kind of screwed Haas in a pivotal time. But part of that's on Haas to do their research. And You know, if they're going to sign on the dotted line with a company, you got to make sure that they um, are reputable and can actually back up what they're saying. You know, Ferrari signs a deal with Mission Winnow and you go on Mission Winnow's website and you could not for the life of me explain to me what what Mission Winnow is and what they actually do. Because when you boil it down to it, it's basically Marlboro um, with fancy letters. So, but hey, you know, Philip Morris, they're going to pay the money there. For Ferrari's not going to say no. So they do their due diligence with Mission Winnow, they get a lot on the car and there you go. Ferrari's got another way to get money from Philip Morris. So yeah, I really think it's up to the teams, it's not really up to the FIA. Um do you want to do Red Bull next or you want to do a super deep, super duper host question?
0: We'll do we'll do Red Bull, but real quick. I just googled Mission Winnow. First off on the right, Philip Morris International pops up,
1: which is the owners of Marlboro for those who don't know. Yeah.
0: On And then the the first kind of like those generic questions that people have Googled the most is, what do Mission Winnow do?
1: So that's not English. There's no way that's English.
0: But Mission Winnow is a campaign launched by Philip Morris to promote its research into developing less harmful alternatives to cigarettes. So... That is tobacco. different
1: than when I read it two years ago. So that's at least they at least they have some like black and white info on there now. So there's Mission Winnow is a company designed to get Philip Morris to start stop selling its major product. Yes, I will just not take the logic answer on that one. I uh... so they're actively advertising to stop smoking.
0: Well, less addictive alternatives, so vaping probably or some other sort of like. I don't know. I'm not, I don't smoke. So I'm, I'm, I'm really oh, not. I,
1: yeah. I don't. Yeah. I'm clueless in this area. Yeah. So they're dissuading people from smoking Marlboros.
0: I'm even more confused. I probably shouldn't have Googled this <laughs> Now I'm twice as <laughs> confused as I was before, but I'm clicking on some of these questions here. They don't advertise Philip Morris international branded products, but they articulate businesses about of tobacco through science by adopting a new way of thinking, like what the hell are we even talking about now? That's
1: what I'm saying, like,
0: you know, Philip Morris is just putting out all this crap on the internet to confuse the hell out of the FIA and us. And so the FIA is like, you know what? Screw it, just put them on the car.
1: Hey, we're not a cigarette company, and that's strictly in the, in the, the rule book that we can't have those. So you have to let us on the car, and it's just like, I mean. <laughs> Someone at Mission sat or Philip Morris sat down with Ferrari and told them about this idea, and it worked. And then Ferrari basically said, "All right, FIA, it's on you." And nothing's happened. But now it's weird because McLaren has British American Tobacco somehow involved with them, and they have vaping products and whatnot. I don't know where they, I don't know where they draw the line, but I don't care. I really don't. That's one of those we can talk about another day. Uh, Anyways, Red Bull. So there was the engine freeze that we did talk about a week or two ago for 2022. So basically what you have now for engines is what you're going to have for next year as far as development. So they're going to kind of try to start backscaling some of the development while we get ready for a new engine formula in 2026. But a reminder, Honda is going to be out of F1 after this year, which left Red Bull kind of in a predicament as far as what they were going to do. And reports came out suggesting that they would become a full works team by 2026, meaning they would produce their own engines. But now it came out earlier this week that Red Bull is basically going to be taking the current Honda engines and they have purchased the rights to those engines and they're just going to rebrand them under Red Bull's own name And so for 2022 onwards, Red Bull and AlphaTauri will both be running basically Honda engines, but they will have Red Bull badges on them. And then the goal is that still by 2026, Red Bull will be their own engine supplier. So the new engine that comes out in 2026, Red Bull will have produced and not Honda or someone else. Yes, that's a lot to sift through. What do you think of all that?
0: Yeah, Red Bull... Powertrains limited, as the as Luke Smith wrote in the article, is a bold move. I I don't know. I like you. You were the one who brought this up when we first started talking about this a couple months ago. Like, what is you know all these? Okay, Mercedes does this for you know technology for the road cars. Ferrari, the same thing, et cetera, et cetera what is the long-term plan by Red Bull unless they just want to own motorsports? In which case do they start developing engines that are outside of Formula One? And, you know, what's, what's the end goal? And that's just kind of what I'm curious about. And obviously we don't know the answer to, I'm happy that they don't have to develop their own engine in a year from now, and they can use the Honda intellectual property for the next couple of years and, and, you know, maybe use that to build up to the new engines in twenty twenty six, but I don't quite understand what the end goal here is for Red Bull other than spending a lot of money.
1: Yeah, and you know, just thinking about it right this second, an argument that just came to my head was that if you think about it, and again my area of expertise kind of starts in the mid eighties till now. And off the top of my head, we have Williams hasn't won a Constructors title since mid-90s. Benetton won one in 95, I think. And then McLaren has never been a works team, as far as I can tell, or at least it's been a very long time since they've been a works team. But they've won titles with Tag, which was Porsche in the 80s. They won titles with Honda in the 80s. And then they won... Did they? I don't know if they ever won a... Oh, yeah, they obviously won a constructors in the late 90s with Mercedes uh, powering their team. But other than that, you think about every other kind of constructors champion has always been a works team. And if you're talking about Red Bull, if Red Bull can make their own engine and they're not relying on the whims of Renault, who, according to them, consistently let them down, or Honda, you know, they don't have to report to anybody. They can just make their own engine, make it as good as they want within the laws of the sport. And if it blows up in the middle of practice, all they have to do is go back to their own factory and ask questions. They don't have to go to the third-party vendor and say what's up, and then they have to research and they might be cloak and dagger about it for two months and not actually be factual or whatever. So I do see the positives of that, and if we're talking about kind of the question I posed a couple weeks ago, you know, I think Red Bull's end goal is to win and to get their name out there. So if this is the way to do it and if things become more cost effective where they have more budget to spend on this kind of thing, then let pump some money in. At least that's probably what Dr. Marco is thinking. So it's a, one that we probably wouldn't have seen coming last year. But the more I think about it, the more it is making sense in my head. I don't know if you're following my logic there.
0: I I get what you're saying. I don't think it's wrong either. I think I'm just trying to wrap my head around. Okay, you know what is the long term vision here, and and I, I'm just looking at like old school McLaren history on on my other monitor here. And the only time it's ever listed them as a works team, they had Honda engines. So I'm not quite following that logic, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely I'm, I'm I'm all for it if it's you know helps the health of Formula One in the long run to have a powerful company like Red Bull producing engines. So I don't not against it. I just Yeah just can't wrap my head around it completely. Because they
1: funnel they funnel a lot of talent into the sport, they funnel a lot of money in the sport, they have twenty percent of the field sponsored by them. They've done a great job ever since getting into the sport of marketing and things like that. And then, yeah, because we got Mercedes, Ferrari, Renault. I think that's. (laughs) And then if you throw in like Williams, McLaren, and Benetton, I think that's everybody who's won. Oh, Braun once. I think that's kind of everybody who's won a Constructors' Championship since 84. So I'd say 50% of that at least has been works teams. And if you take out some dominant McLaren and Williams a year, that'd be 75 to 80%. So yeah i think uh if they do it right i definitely think it could benefit them in the long run they just kind of have to make sure because it could go the other way if they don't they can't blame anybody but themselves if they screw it up now so um what else we got here you want to do your super duper secret host question
0: yeah so we talked about this last week i think and there is lukewarm support throughout the paddock for it. So obviously we, we mentioned the possibility of sprint races being tested uh, in some or used in some capacity in, in 2021. So, Matt, you're in charge of designing the race weekend schedule now. Your job is to so we're going to have a sprint race on Saturday morning and the main race on Sunday. How would you structure a sprint race? You know, how short or how long is it? And how does it transfer over to the main race on Sunday?
1: Yeah, I think what they have to do is take a look at what other series around the world do. And thankfully, right before, right below Formula One is F2. And. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company. And we hope you can come join us too. join pit lane parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Hit pass moto
0: sponsored by moto America is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you from candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com
1: and on your favorite podcast app. Right on! As far as I can tell, I don't think there is widespread hatred of the way F2 does things. I think the only thing I would do is maybe invert the top 10 instead of the top eight. Um, yeah. but so if you are Pierre Gasly and you finish 10th in the sprint race, then you get pulled for the feature race. Um, and then, you know, obviously if you finish ninth, you start second, etc. But if you finish 11th, well then too bad. It sucks to be you. Um, so I see pros and cons, obviously in the sprint race, if you get taken out in the first turn in an accident, that's really going to set you back for the feature race but you know it's kind of the risk versus reward of everything uh qualifying for the sprint race uh i mean you know me i would change the qualifying system but i i don't like knockout qualifying i think it's kind of run its course and run its course in indycar and f1 and i think uh either one lap or just give everybody half an hour or an hour and just let them do it i'd say the shorter the better so half an hour or just a one lapper. Um, obviously, there's pros and cons to both of those too. I don't think there is a perfect system out there. I would just like a little bit of a change because we've been dealing with this for since oh six oh seven in Formula One, so it's been a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like I said, it, it could work uh, as far as the whole sprint race thing. It's just you know we got to try it out, and if it doesn't work, then I'm sure F1 will go back to what they were doing. What would yours so look like?
0: Starting on the qualifying end. I do, I don't know, half hour straight runs, put in a fast lap and see how it goes, whether that be early Saturday morning. That's kind of what the road to Indy has done when they have three races in a weekend. The the one race is essentially determined by your fastest lap in previous race and their race is a half hour long. So. Multiple series have done these sprint races, and I've never heard complaints about getting a wrecked car ready for the next race. I don't think so, maybe once or twice, but by and large, for the most part, no. I would make it a little tougher. I would say the top six invert. Make make it you know rewarding to finish as close to the top five as possible. If it's not going to be the top six, yeah, I'd say the top ten and not the top eight. But I'm going to make it a little tougher and say the top six.
1: I I I could buy, it, Matt. Yeah, see, like that's one of the things. Like, it's not something I like passionately believe in. So I'd definitely be interested to see what you or other fans or the FIA come out with because, you know, I definitely think there's a lot of ways you could go with it.
0: Did you see? There's obviously the new rules that are coming out in F1 next year. We've talked about. One big dog in, in Adrian Nui is not excited, calling them a missed opportunity. Now, the article here doesn't really give much in terms of why he doesn't like them, just that he doesn't like them and he thinks they are not exciting. So I don't know if, if you have any thoughts. Is Adrian Newey getting to the old man yelling at the cloud stage of his life. I hate hating on him because he's such a legend, but
1: yeah, I can honestly sympathize with him a little bit. I don't know if that's because I'm an old man who yells at the cloud, but you think about his history. He's, he did great job at Leighton house. He did a great job at Williams. He did a great job at McLaren and he did a great job at Red Bull. So like basically wherever the guy goes, success follows. And when you're a designer of a formula one car, I mean, obviously there are rules you have to follow, but you basically get a blank slate and you get to go to town. And some of his designs have obviously been absolutely legendary We're thinking specifically, you know, the 90, 91 through 96 or seven Williams were all yeah, phenomenal. Um, the 98 McLaren, the 04 McLaren or sorry, the 03 McLaren, all the Red Bull cars since 2009 have been amazing, except maybe 2014. And now, you know, they're basically putting all the designers in a box when it comes to the next year's regulations. You know, you can only do so much now you can obviously have your own input, but you can't just build it from scratch. Like you used to be able to you, there's definitely more boxes you have to stick within and, that means less creativity and that means, you know, the designers are going to be kind of in a pickle. So I totally get where he's coming from on this. I don't blame him at all for kind of lacking the excitement just because, you know, it's, it's going to be a different adjustment for all the car designers and it's just going to be, I think they just have to keep in mind that the end goal here is not about the designers of the car. It's about the fans and making sure that they produce a good product. So I get it, but at the same time, I still, approve of the decision-making by the FIA. Fair enough.
0: Our last topic of the day, I think. F1 came out with an article of their own, obviously trying to hype up the season. I want to see what you think of it. Five reasons why the F1 pecking order could be shaken up this year. I don't know if I totally buy it, but I'm going to list you the reasons, and then we'll see what you think. Number one, same chassis design, but there are big aerodynamic changes, kind of as we mentioned, the uh, triangular chunk just in front of the rear tires, the floor, as I mentioned, a little piece behind the front wing or behind the front wheels, and I think there's some front wing downforce changes. Obviously, there is much less testing time this year before the first race of the year in Bahrain. The new aero testing rules that we discussed at length last week, the new tire compound that was tested rather poorly was that Portimao last last summer. I don't even remember R- at this
1: point. Or one of those.
0: Yeah, and the new drivers switching teams. It's, that last reason, that number five is pretty much like the. I'd cross that off the list as as a reason why the pecking order might change immediately. So let's go with the four reasons why why the pecking order might change. And do you think there will be widespread change in the order based on this F1.com article?
1: Maybe for the first five races. But I think once teams get a grasp on the arrow and the tires and once the new drivers come up to speed, etc., I think it should be business as usual. Again, kind of we mentioned earlier that they're just taking the last year's car and modifying a bit. I'm curious to see if anybody kind of swings for the fences and does a whole new car. I think it's specifically like Ferrari might be a good chance for them to claw back some speed since they kind of did very poorly last year. But I think over the longevity of the season, I do think it'll kind of be business as usual. I mean, I would love to see a shakeup. I'd love to see Mercedes not win every race. I... I am just a little skeptical at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm very skeptical. I, I think you might see like a Ferrari rebound a little bit from their dismal first half of the year last year, and, and you might see Alpine mix it up towards the podium a little bit more. But do I think the top you know, podium finishers are going to change much on a weekly basis? Probably not this year. 2022 yeah i okay i'm i'm all for seeing more of a shakeup then but i i don't think it's happening this year there's just i don't think there's enough time for these teams to test so i have the changes here the diffuser fences are cut down the rear braked ducklet duct winglets are shortened the ducklet (laughs) ducklet (laughs) i'm leaving that in the episode and obviously, as I mentioned, the, the changes to the floor. So there is you know less downforce, but all of these teams aren't in, in the same boat. It, it's not like Ferrari has some sort of advantage because they changed something that Mercedes didn't. You know, they're all in the same boat in terms of testing and, and changes. So I don't think we're going to see a big change. I hope we do. I like yeah. the optimism. I said journalist who wrote for F1.com on this, but I'm not buying it.
1: Williams to the front, 2022. Here
0: we go. Yeah, totally. Williams to the front and rich energy in your fridge. Which is which is more likely to happen in 2022?
1: Uh, rich energy in my fridge.
0: Okay. I think we should actually make that a poll. That's pretty fun. Okay. On that note, we'll wrap it up. There is some racing this weekend in the NASCAR world. They're running the road course at Daytona. So you have some racing to look forward to. I think it's this weekend and otherwise we're about two weeks away from formula E. So some open wheel action is not far around the corner and we'll wrap it up there guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend and we'll be back next week to make fun of rich energy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time.